0: The following podcast episode is recommended for a mature audience. It may contain coarse language and the topics discussed might be inappropriate for people under 15 years of age. Listener discretion is advised. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 2 of X versus Y, a pop culture podcast focusing on film and television. I'm Audrey, Generation X. I'm Matt Gen Y. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about a documentary in two movies we've watched recently. They are The Social Dilemma, Extraction, and The Man Who Killed Don Quixote.
1: That is hard to say, isn't it? I, I was saying Don Quixote like for so long <laughs> until like I watched the movie. <laughs> um, the Social Dilemma Let's is a documentary going. on Netflix that has been quite popular. And I found it really interesting in eye-opening as well. Like, um, it, it was on Netflix and... Uh, it's kind of like a documentary drama hybrid. Obviously, you've seen it, but um, like I thought it was really interesting. Like I remember I watched it and I was like, you yeah, know, it's kind of like a bit boring. It's like that documentary thing, and I've never been a huge documentary person. But then you watch it and it's like, it's actually like highlighting so many real issues that you don't think about, like in today's society. <laughs>
0: so the, the social dilemma for everyone. Um, it's a documentary where former employees of the of tech companies like Google, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. Um, especially, uh, there's a one of the leading um, speakers in it is named Tristan Harris, and he's a f- he was a former design ethicist. Ethicist eth- 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 is that he said. Yeah, ethicist, Yeah. Um, at Google, and and now he's president and co-founder of the Center for Humane Technology. He's like one of the key speakers in this, and mm. they talk about how uh, all these companies use the technology to basically get people to click and use the tech, Mm. but it's actually – they're like data collection. They're they're, Mm. they're collecting data for big companies that, you know, a lot of people probably don't even realise is happening. And I I found that the most, you know, disturbing aspect of it from an ethical point of view Mm. um, that you've got – what seems like a very innocent thing of clicking on your phone and they're actually they're actually monitoring how many times you're swiping or clicking mm. each of these each of these apps is specially designed. I mean these people who work at these companies study psychology at mm. university they they send them to study human psychology so they can tap into. What makes people tick? And then they designed the technology around that. I mean, that's just...
1: That's a massive ethical issue. That
0: like. is I, that is just something, if they're going to do that, they need to make the public aware of that. I'll give mm. you an example with this. Um, just recently, I got a, a phone call from someone who rang me and said, oh, you, oh, hello, Audrey. And I'm thinking, how did you get my number? And then they said, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to sell you solar panels. It had, all came down to solar panels. But the first thing he asked me was... Uh, how, where, you know, how long are you living in, you know, are you a homeowner and are you this? And I'm thinking, why the hell should I tell you and how did you access this, you know, this data? And it's frightening how how many just companies can access your mobile, your address, mm. all these personal details without your permission or without you even knowing you've given it to them. And, you know, it makes you very paranoid after watching this. Mm. And, um, and, and and the way they've designed the documentary they've they've got a sort of a, a fictional family yeah. who are experiencing all this technology and they've ma- they've set it up sort of like uh, a pseudo movie happening simultaneously <laughs> simulating what might be happening in a lifetime and how manipulative it is it's yeah. a bit like a, it's a bit like a, a sinister technology based version of the inside out team living in our device you know mm. um, And wasn't
1: it creepy When they did the thing Where there's like The three human Like um, Like designers Or like lead people Who were like And then they have like The person's body Like hovering over there Like oh he's not responding Like send him a notification That's it You know like Oh he's he's ex-girlfriend He's in a relationship With his friend And then You know there was that scene Where he's like If you can go without Your phone for a week I'll replace your screen Like his mum said And then he's just like You know I think he went like Three days or something And then he was just On it all night again I'm like Jeez, and then also like the girl like um that like they got to put the phones in the box for like an hour and then the girl just smashes it with like a hammer or something and i'm like jesus like is that what young people are like now like well, I, I thought I was addicted to my phone. I think I could go without it for an hour, you know.
0: I think I think it's just you know they they're using. They know that when when people get to a certain age, especially young people, they're so vulnerable. They're going mm. through hormones. They're going through. They want acceptance from their peers. They know all this psychologically that mm. people are going through these stages, and they're using it to yeah. manipulate them. And that's the disturbing part of it. What I wish, in a way, is that they made a simplified simplified version of this documentary for for younger people that i i mean i'd love to show my kids this but they're going to be bored by all the you know the talking from all the talking heads mm. that are on it and, and i mean as an adult it's interesting but for them yeah i think just the simulation of what that family goes through would have been enough you know to to show how the technology is controlling their lives mm. and um and it's it's um and and i i noticed the movies they referenced when they were talking about it, some of the um, tech, com- you know, the former employees were saying, mm. oh, you know, it's a bit like the Truman Show in real life yeah. or it's a bit like um, The Matrix, you know, yeah, we're in yeah, The Matrix yeah. We there's this alternate world controlling us and we don't know about it. And uh, remember in <laughs> the scary last scary, podcast, scary they were scary, the two movies that I picked and that's because <laughs> deep down I have a paranoia of us being controlled by technology and I think that's a, a deep-seated paranoia we have as Mm. humans that are our machines and AI and everything gonna eventually control us
1: but isn't it scary though when you think about like when you watch these movies it's like oh that's not gonna happen that's ages away like you know that'll Mm, never happen and then it's like oh my god it's actually happening but it's very slight the Mm. changes are very slight a lot of the stuff goes behind the thing and then like goes behind the scenes and then by the time yeah, you realize what's happening, your rights are all gone. Like, I remember, I think it was Tristan saying, um, you know, like, uh, any. Um, it's like, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Yep. So, like, you think of Facebook and all that is free, and it's like, oh, all you have is just ads, so you can just click away from the ads. But it's like, they're really selling your data, your privacy data, your location data. And I, I also feel like with the ethical issues, too, like... Um, children and young people are the ones who are going to be affected by it most because they haven't built those skills over time to be able to identify when something is um is negative for them
0: well that's right that's right as a parent that's why as a parent when i was watching it i was more disturbed by it for the sake of my kids you know Mm. as soon as i thought that i thought i'm going to delete this i'm going to delete that (laughs) then i'm going to watch this anymore (laughs) screw youtube but um you know it's it's a part of life yeah. you know you, whether you you know I, I think as soon as i watched it i was deleting all this stuff but then ultimately you, re- you need to find again, a yeah. balance you know you still need to be in touch with other people and i think the the message of it is finding that balance you know yeah. they need to be accountable you know mm. these companies it's one of the quotes was um these are some of the richest companies in the history of humanity i mean then they Probably they can richer. afford to be ethical, you know. They can afford to have some sort of uh, 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 boundaries placed on what they're doing, you know. Some
1: it's all it's all it's all about the end game profit, you know. So like when you think about um yeah, the, one of the quotes is like you said, just about the being richest in the history of humanity. But it's like some of these companies might actually have been rich, richer than an entire country like two hundred years ago. I mean, they, like that's bloody huge, they, like.
0: They need to be regulated, which exactly. is what they're ultimately saying for mm. and tax, you know, if they got taxed on the content they're receiving, at least yeah. you know, we're getting some the government's getting some revenue out of it. Mm. They're not getting they're not getting regulated on anything like yeah. that. And, you know, the fact that I'm getting these random calls from people who have all this data and yeah. asking all these questions, you know, and it's fair enough we we know that this can happen, but like you said, not for the young, yeah. not for the elderly. They're all so susceptible and mm. they've made you know, society has made everyone so dependent on technology. I mean, convenience-wise, you know, they're, they're, they're pressured. The pressure is to use, you know, use the internet, use computers to do your day-to-day mm. tasks. So if you're not savvy on all this, you're going to answer a phone call and, yeah. you know, it's it's protecting all the vulnerable. It's a bit mm. like COVID. You yeah. know, you've got to protect those who are at risk.
1: Mm. The social media industry and like a lot of ethical issues that are involved, like, Um, you know, it's it's used in different ways than intended because it was really intended to be a communication tool. So people being able to communicate and, um, you know, businesses are using it now, social media now um, quite a lot, like, you know, Coca-Cola or McDonald's or Woolworths. Like, um, for example, if you see Woolworths, um, like someone will post like a comment and they'll put a picture like, oh, I had you know, problems with my lettuce or something, you know, I, you know, it's a carter in my lettuce bag. And like, you know, instead of like having to go in the, into the, into the uh, shop and complain about it, you have like people actually like commenting that post to Worse, and then Worth replies that like, oh, fill out our online survey and we'll help you. And you know, I don't know what's going to happen with that. It's the whole complaints procedure, but it's actually like the way people are communicating now. It's not over like you're not ringing the tele. You're not ringing like um the company on the telephone and saying I don't like I wasn't happy with my purchase. You're not going in. It's like it's just everything's through internet, so I feel like those things are very um, those things are very like like uh, very convenient, but like yeah, like the the documentary it talks about the problems that you see in social media and 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 the problem yeah the like basically the big ethical issues that you don't think about when you're using social media from day to day like for example snapchat like it doesn't let you use it unless you have location enabled and you know and then you also see like if you have an iphone like when you download a new app it's like oh we need access to your photos and videos we need to read and write them and it's like yeah, I don't know what they're gonna do with that, you know. But you just don't think of it anymore. It's like it's like a license agreement. You always say yes to it, but you don't actually read it. And it could be like saying we have access to your organs after your death or something. They're just eliminating. They're even eliminating the alternatives. When you think about like MyGov or something, it's like uh, if you try and call them to speak to a customer service representative, it actually says, "Oh, if you um, need help, go online." And you actually got to wait like twenty seconds or something before you get. Like, even just to go in a list to talk to a customer service yep. representative. It's they just like, want you to do everything yeah. online.
0: They don't want to actually... They're trying to reduce human mm. contact, basically, which is the matrix side of it. You yeah. know, there's this whole...
1: you But know. The, there is that convenience edge. So, like, um, you know, when when the when the former, like, you know, I suppose you could call them whistleblowers because they're talking about how bad social media is. But when they were talking about it, it's like social media isn't bad. It's not... It, it's one of those things where... The actual social media the software is okay like it's it's what people do with it so it's like these companies could use it for great so it, it's social media like they change it to you know there was that one where it was talking about um russians interfering in the u.s election and then um and then like conspiracy theories and stuff like that so i feel like facebook is actually starting to sort of regulate that a bit like making sure that the news that is pub uh posted is actually like verifiable and it's it's true because you know there was that kid the kid at the end who ended up going to that like anti like tri- oh, anti- fictional pol- one yeah that political rally or whatever and it's like gets arrested and all that i'm I like oh f- my god i found
0: the one about yang Yangoon mm. was it about yeah. my- myanmar was the most thing oh, how the yeah. government was you know putting this app on
1: yeah the whole genocide thing yeah that was kind of crazy yeah, like. and
0: uh, yeah, the government using social media to control the population. So the Myanmar government creating an app mm. and then forcing people to have that app on any new technology, like phones they bought, is, and then that app had all this negative propaganda that obviously like you said yeah. caused genocide is really not right you sounds know? like a dictatorship
1: you know like, well not sounds like is what yeah. I think.
0: But anyway um i just want to there was one more thing i wanted to mention was there was there was one bit where the 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 designers were saying how they invented likes mm. they invented likes as a as you know an, an innocent thing to help try and promote you know yeah. positive you know I guess, vibes around the internet. So the, they designed these likes, the like button, to sort of spread good, goodwill and good vibes and it sort of got subverted into something that became like a popularity thing and they used it to... Uh, I, I, mean, I mean, there was a quote from the, the show that said, humans were not designed to try and get the approval of 10,000 other people. Like, it's given people this false sense of, you know, um, I guess, empowerment from from strangers you know mm. and uh and to me that was the most disturbing parts of the film was seeing how it affects children and the consequences like there was this uh there were a few things they were saying gen z that's uh children born post 1996 were the first generation that got on social media in middle school so middle school in america is probably like you know early teens oh, like, like 12 12 so like 15 yeah 11 12 15 and uh and They'd come home from school, they're on their devices, they were more anxious, depressed, less comfortable taking risks, so less dating, driver's license, you know they wouldn't they're less likely to apply for their driver's license, they're less likely to go dating, you know that they just have less intera- actual interaction with other people, you know, yeah. in the community, with other people in their generation. and everything's, you know, everything's revolves around their devices. I mean, mm. that's not healthy. And that's frightening for me as a parent, for my girls, you know, because I don't want their self-worth to be determined by what they see on a device. And, and that's why as a parent, it's very important to, to teach our children to get, seek validation, not from other people. Like you need it from yourself, you know, yeah. you don't, you shouldn't be seeking that and, and I've I've watched a few other documentaries like this in terms of exploiting young women that mm. they've used social media or, you know, just you know, the enticing them, you know, yeah. into that world. And they pick on vulnerable people, you know, vulnerable women but vulnerable kids that it's it preys on that. And that's um and that's why I think Personally, I think this is a very important documentary to watch for everyone because we're all on social media these days. And, uh, and as especially as a parent, you need to know how these, these devices are designed. You know, they're, they're, a, they're a fact of life. You have to accept they're in our lives. So it's about managing it and educating mm. yourself and your families and friends about how it all works, you know.
1: I th- I think I think the biggest thing is like um age regulation. Because like when it says um also you have to be thirteen to make a Facebook account, but then to make a Facebook account all you need is an email. But mm. when you make an e when you make an email address, like um, you know, it asks you for your date of birth, all you have to do is change it to like the nineties or something, and then you can make a Facebook account and you're like eleven years old. there's,
0: there's no way a, a really a company can regulate that. It's really down... It has to be to the parents. You know, they yeah. have to have some accountability um, and you can't just presume these things are going to be regulated by these companies. You've got to actually monitor, you know, what your kids are doing and take an interest in them. I, I think... I think the busier everyone's getting, the more they're working, you know, they're, they're so yeah, concerned that with the iPad at the kids. Well, like, well, they're so concerned, here. you know, I mean, just the way life is, you know, we've got to have this, we've got to have that. And you're so wrapped up in just making ends meet that you forget that, you know, the babysitter. I mean, when I was a kid, our babysitter was the television. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and it was a different time. Yeah. But now they've got um, devices where they can... Um, access so much information they can access their friends they can access their peers they don't even have to leave the house you know and they they can be bullied everything on yeah. social media and it's frightening i mean at least you know i could be a loser at home and just watching tv shows but you know and leave it to my imagination if everyone was talking about being but now they can see everyone's talking about yeah. them and they can spread that and that's the, the frightening part of it. That's why I kind of think it's our responsibility as parents to make sure that they know we, that it's not... You know, do not seek validation from your peers now. You know, everyone's just desperate for attention.
1: It's a massive self-confidence thing, I think. Um, yeah, it's about instilling yeah, self-confidence, like You've right? to a challenge. Even when I was growing up, like, it was hard to... I got bullied at school as well, but mm. I feel like once you kind of going through that helps you in a yeah. way like it's like you, you learn, have to go through and it. then you go into a workplace which is a lot more like you know vibes and chart vibes and you know jars and stuff but it's more like uh, what is it called it's more like discreet so it's like when you're in when you like when you're at work or something if someone's bullying you on social media you can report them to your boss right But, like, in school, it's like, who are we going to report it to? Because teachers don't care. But
0: it's not just that. Bullying through social media makes people less accountable for their actions. It's very Mm. easy to make a comment or, you know, tease someone or whatever when you don't get their reaction straight away. They don't develop any empathy or compassion or that visceral reaction you get from someone when someone's done something to you. You know, they don't get that. So I think that's why it's such a such a dangerous well you know not da- well it's just something you need to monitor anyway for me i would highly recommend this especially to the old gen Xers, you know who feel they're a bit clueless about social media or you know we 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 kind of think of it as our new digital pacifier but it's not mm-hmm. you know it has the potential to for it's a bit like the force it's good and bad but you you really have to monitor it and um but i'd definitely give this a a, an x x x x four x's out of five okay. it's very it's very worth watching
1: I, th- I think i think for me i would probably give it a four uh four wires out of five i think the only thing i'd be worried about though is that these people are sort of you know they're all sort of like former designers or former programmers or whatever from these companies i hope that they're involved in the regulation with the government, so that they can actually tell the government yep. what areas need to be changed. So I think that would be a really good idea. Yeah. The last thing
0: I wanted to say was you were talking about you were hoping the designers yeah, were involved. Yeah. Okay. I also noted when I was watching it that the designers don't let their kids use. Oh, okay device you know social bit, media yeah. or apps and things they, they, they've they totally banned their kids from <laughs> that so they know how addictive it all is and how manipulative it is yeah so if if the actual designers of the products mm. are wary of it you've got well, to i mean
1: they were even telling they were even it. telling the viewer that they get addicted like tristan's addicted to emails and stuff and i'm like well
0: it's kind of too late once you start it's very hard to stop it's yeah. like anything it's tapped into the addictive nature of you mm. even the there was a one guy, um, Aza Raskin, who it who was the inventor of the infinite scroll, yeah. and that's that's sort of what what poker machines are like, you know. Oh, okay, yeah, you yeah. can just play endlessly, endlessly, yeah. you know. You're seeing Gambling what the next edition. one instead of ta- you know, what was it before the infinite scroll? It was just tapping uh, refresh, I think. Refresh, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, <laughs> beware of social media and watch the social dilemma, it'll freak you out, but it's definitely worth a watch,
1: yeah, yeah, true. So um, the next one we have is um, extraction. Okay, this this so, movie
0: Matt picked for us to watch. Yeah.
1: This so we're just gonna um, play a quick clip from the movie. <laughs>
0: hold
1: my beer, would you? I gotcha. I said, hold it, don't drink. I gotcha.
0: Right.
1: How good was that, right?
0: Okay, let's talk about the movie. Do you want to give us a summary of what's what it's about, Matt?
1: Um, so it's kind of like a former SAS, SASR soldier. So that's uh the Special Air Service Regiment. So that's kind of like the Australian Special Forces. Um, so it's a guy called uh, Tyler Rake. So Chris Hemsworth's character. Um, he kind of has to like, so like, okay, so this drug lord's kid, Ovi, gets um. Uh, kidnapped by another drug lord in India and gets taken to Bangladesh to sort of, you know, like a ransom kind of deal. And um, Tyler Rake's character... Chris Hemsworth's character, Tyler Rake, gets sent to basically there to kind of rescue the kid. Mm -hmm. And it's basically just like a full-on, like, action fest. Like, so I love action and, like, it's kind of non-stop. There are a few moments, but it's kind of like non-stop action. Like, one of my favorite scenes um, is when they have so saju is kind of like ov's handler like his bodyguard and he goes after the kid as well but tyler doesn't know that he's trying to save the kid as well so, so there's actually like a three on like it's a like it's like a um tyler versus saju versus corrupt cops fight in the middle of the street and they're all getting hit by cars and like tyler goes flying and then he gets up and then they have this brutal like one-on-one knife fight like that is actually so cool it actually reminded me of captain america winter soldier highway fight scene it's like winter soldier vs cat but like they both have knives i thought that was really cool um and you know um it, it's it's basically it's non-stop action but there's also like emotional moments as well so you go back in time to see um you see tyler's basically flashback scenes where he's spending time with his family and you can't—you don't know what happens uh, straight away because you—you know, obviously, you have to watch the movie, but um, you know something happened, basically, and you know that that's part of what has turned him into, you know, this very weary, um, sick of action kind of um, hero. But he also uh, sort of wants to die, I think, because he, there's that um, there's that part where he's talking to. Um, I think it's Nick Khan her name was and she's basically saying that like you just want another you just want a bullet to end it you don't care how it goes and I think those people are the ones who are actually more dangerous in those kind of films because they don't feel like they have anything to lose anymore whereas like you have movies where like where it's like Born Supremacy or Born Ultimatum where you know Jason Bourne or maybe like you know James Bond like has to rescue someone So they can always be manipulated by the villain because that villain can be like, oh, if you don't do this, I'm going to take out that person. You know, and like, that's why you see those movies um, like this where he doesn't really have anything to lose until he meets the boy and then, yeah. So, yeah. So So you liked it, Matt? Yeah, I liked it, yeah. There's actually a really good um, cinematography technique I really want to learn too is there's cameras following them really fast but it's like in first person I mm. thought that was really cool like, mm. I'd love to know one day how they did that Yeah.
0: Well, so for me um, the first thing I noticed about Extraction I didn't really. I would not have picked this movie if Matt didn't pick it and recommend it because I don't really like violent mindless action films and uh, as the first thing I noticed when I watched it it's on Netflix by the way it was uh, MA, Strong Bloody Themes and Violence so yes <laughs> tick, I think I know what this movie is about um, there's definitely a budget I noticed, because you know it looks the action set pieces like you said. The, I have to admit the action was very well done. Mm. You know the fight scenes, the car chases, and everything. But you know, I'm just not into gruesome, violent action films with not a lot of plot. You, you know, I like mean it's very to me it was very predictable. I liked. Chris Hemsworth, you know, I liked yeah. hearing his Australian accent for a change and he kind of starts out this year, mate. Y'all. It's great to
1: see an Aussie hero, isn't it?
0: Was kind of, I, I kind of liked how it started in Australia and then, uh, and then he goes on, you know, to India. I liked seeing India for a change mm. for an action film and uh, I thought Bangladesh, this might be interesting, yeah. you know, because I quite liked, you know, that whole Slumdog Millionaire vibe but mm, it mm. didn't really go there very much. <laughs> yeah. It kind of just focused on uh, Rambo co- coming in and saving the day. And of course, you know... It it was such a, you know, they had to, you know, establish that he was a good guy yeah. in so many ways, like in a short period of time. So he was like nice to kids and then they switched to the bad guy who's horrible to kids, you know? Yeah. So it was very, you know, it was very comic book, I, th- I felt. And mm. then when I went back into the backstory of who created it, it was actually a script was written by Joe Russo, mm. who co-directed The Avengers, Endgame and Infinity War and it was adapted from his comics. See your, see your dad, I think it was. Yeah, and by it, and Andre Park. And yeah. the and the director was a first time director, Sam Hargrave, yeah. who was a stunt coordinator for several Marvel films. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I think um, you can see it. You yeah. know, you can see it's very, it's very comic book, even though yeah. it's kind of set in in this world of uh, of ex- well, I mean extraction. It's about this guy who's got to try and save this drug dealers. You know, who's imprisoned his son who's been kidnapped by a a rival drug dealer, you know. And so that's basically the plot. Now, with with the movie, it is a very comic book feel about it. Like, when I first started watching it, I thought I was watching a computer game because he's like, you know, he's like sitting there. He's like at his worst, you know, and you think... Okay, when's the flashback going to happen? They're not going to start the movie with him and his. You know, it's going to yeah, go yeah. back to obviously a more civilized time, and then it goes back to him and he's, he's a he's a your typical Aussie. They yeah. set him out back, you know. They establish that he's you know he's just a bloke, you know, really fair dinkum bloke. He drinks beer, he loves his dog, he's got a, just a few close mates, and he lives out bush, you know. And then they show him do this really macho thing and. And it, and, he jumped and,
1: off a cliff like fifty feet in the air. I, was I know. Like, Whoa. I mean,
0: you can't get more manly and blokey than that, can you? And then, Aye. uh and then to me, it kind of, it kind of goes. It it really reminded me of Gladiator, the movie Gladiator. The plot reminds <laughs> me of Gladiator. He's kind of got this death wish throughout it because something tragic has happened in his life, and he. I mean, in Gladiator, it was a bit different because I think gladiator he had a point he was he wanted revenge you know he wanted justice Mm -hmm. whereas with this movie he just wants money and i feel like his motives are less noble but as the movie progresses they make him a bit more noble in terms of you know he starts to care more about the child he's trying to save rather than just collecting the paycheck because he realizes you know they're they're warring drug dealers who are you know he's actually saving the son of a a drug dealer who's imprisoned from another drug dealer who's trying to get him for whatever reasons he does so everything is very you know it's not the 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 nicest of reasons and uh i just find that the the most interesting part of the film for me was maybe that it was set in india because i quite liked seeing the different setting and uh, his relationship with the child, I thought, oh, this is going to be a kid buddy movie. But, yeah. you know, obviously uh, the the child brings out his human side, I suppose. That's yeah. the point of the child. And um, I guess, you know, it's not really a twist. I mean, it's you, you pretty much can predict what's going to happen from the beginning to the end. But... Uh, you know and the action, the yeah. non-stop action. Yeah. Like if you like action films, this movie is your movie. And like I can <laughs> kind of see Matt from his recommendations in in uh, the first podcast, I, I thought, uh, okay, maybe this movie – when I first started, I thought, well, maybe this movie might have a, a bit of a plot, you know, and might be something different. And then I go, oh, no, it's not. It's just <laughs> all gruesome action, not just not just action, by the way, very violent. Lots of gruesome, intense scenes with spiky weapons readily available. He rolls over and there just happens to be something that he can gouge someone's eye out with. Yeah. And, uh, and, of course, he doesn't kill any kids, but, you know, cry... Like blimey, crikey! They're they're tough kids, you know. They're well, getting at him, and there, there, there was a one bit. There was one bit that was funny, but I don't want to give it away because it was probably the only funny bit in the film. If you're me, but so, but it was it was it was a funny joke. When
1: you, when you look under the violence, though, so like if you love the violence, but you look under the violence, there's this whole morality thing. Like there's a scene where um, Gaspar is going to give up the kid to the guy, and he's about to you know shoot the kid, and then he um. He's like, oh, you know, take the money and leave, like, you know. And then that's I think that's when it became like Tyler's mission stopped being about the money and it was about saving the kid. Well, that's it. But then you also see the scene where those kids attack him and he's actually, it's kind of like... Um, reminiscent of the Karate Kid movie with Jackie Chan, where he's not taking out the kids to beat them up. He's just yep. sort of, um, you know, disarming them. Yep. And incapacitating them. Yeah. He, so, But he does that. But then you remember at the end, that kid was the one who shot him. Yep. Because well, you let him go. Well, that's it. Well, he doesn't so want like, to... They, they,
0: they can't make him look out to be a complete monster where he's just blasting kids' heads off. You know, know. That would make him to be the psychopath. Yeah. That, the other drug dealer they've established is a psychopath. He's yeah. the one throwing kids off buildings and things. So he... Yeah. They had to establish that, no, no, Chris Chris or Tyler, he's he's yeah. the hero. And I, I, that's, I guess that's what I had a problem with, you know, in the movie. Like, at least in Gladiator, he was kind of still human, even though, you know, and they were... He was in orchestrated battles he had a bit more motive you know to mm. there was a bit more driving force in that movie to his character and with this one it was just kind of yeah he realizes he's just not in it for the money and um it wasn't enough to keep me involved in the story I guess yeah. that's that's it to to deal with all that action you know the action yeah. isn't enough
1: there are some funny bits though if you remember it because um his last name is rake right so it's tyler rake yeah there's actually a scene where he like stabs someone in the head with a rake and i was just laughing my head off yeah, i was like yeah. that is so good no. like it's so ironic it, it
0: doesn't it doesn't justify yeah. you know for me, but I, and and I was just going to say I'm a big Keanu Reeves fan. I don't know whether I've said that before. Well, but you got
1: to John Wick, right? But that's
0: why I don't watch John Wick films oh, because yeah. I know they're just mindless back-to-back action. I'm not into those films. I've never liked Rambo, all those movies, yeah. First Blood, you know, and and uh, so that's why this is probably not my movie. But I think if you like action and mm. well-done action, and you like a very you know lightning-fast plot. Yeah then uh, I think this is kind of for you. If you just want something where yeah. you go, oh, yeah, Chris Hemsworth, oh, yeah, he's awesome, you know, well, uh,
1: that's, um. this is it. <laughs> I, I thought one of the funniest things was actually not even... It's kind of related to the movie. On Chris Hemsworth's Instagram, he's actually driving in India and this guy run, runs up next to him on a motorbike trying to get him to sign an autograph. And he's like full on dodging like people on the side of the road, like buildings, like things zooming up at him. Goes away and then Chris Hemdreth's like, oh, he went away. And he comes back with like two friends and Chris Emsworth ends up actually, like, pulling over oh, just and just be like, dude, you, I don't want you to die. Uh, like, you yeah. know, and he's like, I uh, think, I don't even know if it was a joke, but he's like, this guy's doing my motorcycle stunts for the rest of the, <laughs> my life. Like, <laughs> I thought that was so funny. But, um, yeah, so, like, what would you say your um, X rating would be? Uh,
0: I'd probably give it maybe two tops, <laughs> 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 okay, stars. Okay. It was pretty, it's just not my kind of movie, but it was well done. You know, it's not, it's not cheap. Yeah. You know, like the action sequences, but it's not something I would probably recommend to anyone that you know has my taste. But I would recommend it to someone who just like you, you know, who like who loves mindless violence. Who loves mindless violence? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I,
1: I I would say for me it would be three point five wise, pretty close to a four. But the, um like the critics said, there there was a little bit of a lack of a plot. You d- you sort of didn't know what was like what it was going to what it was going to do. Like, there was a bit of a plot. Obviously, every movie has to have a plot. But there was... not Like, the storyline wasn't sort of... Set in Not stone. just the story, it was, it was, just the characters yeah. as well. They
0: were very undeveloped developed characters. Yeah. There wasn't really much to keep you going to, mm. from action sequence to action sequence. There wasn't that much at stake to me. I,
1: I loved seeing a badass female um, soldier though. Oh, yeah. Nick Khan, like at the end when she's like shooting everyone, takes out a helicopter with an RPG. Yep. Then she takes out that colonel guy with a sniper shot. Like that was dope.
0: Yeah. I loved it
1: that. I was like, yeah, Badass Girls, Let's I see more of that. I
0: don't know whether it's because I've got kids now or whatever, but I feel like whenever I see a parent getting killed, uh, it always breaks my heart because yeah. that poor, you know, everyone's like, I don't know whether, they, did you ever watch Austin Powers, those yeah. movies, and when yeah. the henchman Love died? You know, oh, when yeah. the henchman died and they're like showing the henchman's oh, yeah. family. I always kept thinking when yeah. all these people he's gruesomely killing, yeah. what about all their families? Yeah. And I think that's why I, I don't get enjoyment from watching mm these movies because i think uh not only do they have to die in front of me they have to die in such gruesome oh come violent on. Like, ways
1: he clearly had like 50 Ugh. meters before that no, um no no 50 meters no. before that thing rolled over him and he's like
0: no and, and and then you got the heroes right the people who you know have to last at least to the last three quarters of the yeah, film who get hit by cars you get shot five times and yeah. they're still alive he's still he, climbing through and other people get shot once they're gone he, you know, it's kind of very inconsistent, even the death.
1: He got shot so many times, then he got stabbed, then yeah. he recovered for a bit, yeah. had his oh, arm in a sling. Sp- the
0: plot, sp- plot popped it back popped it <laughs> back in.
1: You know, like oh yeah. I know it was oh, very, oh, yeah, by the way, yeah, spoiler alert. Spoiler yeah, well, alert. Well just
0: you know, there is it's just there's a lot of violence. If you like violence, gruesome violence, mm. then sign up. It's on Netflix Extraction. Yeah. And um, you know, I'm so if
1: you're listening to this, please stop. Go watch a movie, then come back. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't watch it.
0: <laughs> okay, the next movie we've got, which is the complete opposite of Extraction, but it's co- sort of similar. It's about um, sort of a, a journey as well, but different. It's called The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, and um, the first time I'd heard about this film was many years ago. And all the problems um, writer director Terry Gilliam had completing it now.
1: Oh, is that the guy from Monty Python? Do you know Python? who Terry
0: Gilliam is? Yeah, that's the guy from
1: Monty Python.
0: Yes, Terry Gilliam was oh, one of those. the Pythons, and he oh. did all the animation, and he directed Monty Python and the Holy Grail. He's directed. He, I mean, I didn't mention it, but Brazil, one of his movies, is one of my favorite films as well. But it is very out there, and and this has a bit of the Brazil vibe about it in terms of it's about, you know, dealing with your perception of reality Mm. and um i don't really know much about don quixote it's actually from the 17th century it's this spanish story or it's about this nobleman who uh wants to do you know i don't know whether he loses the plot but he thinks he's a a hero like zorro and he wants to go and save people and he and he has a sidekick named sancho panza and he uh and he and he's delusional right yeah so they've sort of that's it's something that Terry Gilliam and even Orson Welles have all wanted to make a story, a movie about um, Don Quixote, and it's always been doomed. And yeah. and uh, years ago, I watched this. I mean, he's been trying to make
1: this movie for thirty years. Yeah, nineteen eighty nine. I read. I was like, oh my god, that's like, a that's some that's dedication. A long, that's that's
0: a passion project. Yeah. and uh, he, um, and for since I think since he twelve, mon- 12 monkeys and um, I think it was called the Hamster Factory um and with don quixote they he had a filmmakers documentary filmmakers film the behind the scenes of the first one he first attempt he tried to do of this yeah. story and it was called lost in la mancha and i watched that i loved yeah. i, I love watching making of documentaries <laughs> of films cuz you know i like to see how films are made you know and that one had all these disasters no matter what he tried to do he had johnny depp in that version oh yeah and i think you and mcgregor was
1: like supposed to be in it too Eira McGregor, yeah, maybe I at one was, point, yeah. but um,
0: that you know they had they had all these setbacks. They had weather problems. The actor got injured, and um, it just didn't happen. And but it was very, it was you know, it was such a interesting yeah. documentary. I'd highly recommend it. It's called Lost in La Mancha. Yeah. Um, and it was released in two thousand and two. And. And then, you know, he's made films since The Fisher King. I don't know whether you've heard of The Fisher King. It had Robin Williams in it. And he always has these same themes of, you know, people struggling with kind of reality. And so this is a very Terry Gilliam movie. Anyway, the movie is, it's a bit of a crazy story. It starts with a film director, Toby, who's played by Adam Driver, and he's making... Of he's Star making, Wars fame. He's making an, a corporate advertisement in Spain with a Quixote theme. So Quixote, you know, he's got some old guy dressed up as Quixote and he's he's thinking a windmill is a is a villain, you know, and yeah. that that's quite a famous thing from the actual original story. During filming, he's reminded of a student film he shot about Don Quixote years ago using untrained locals as actors. And so he visits the village because he discovers it's not far from where they're actually shooting and, and he finds that... Um, the actor he, he hired to play Don Quixote, the lead villager, um, played by Jonathan Price, really believes he is Don Quixote. Look, do you remember years ago, about ten years ago, I was making a film? You were just an old man I found. I was lost. Forgotten. Yeah, right, but then I found you, and I thought, this guy has an interesting face. It's the kind of face I'd use now to sell insurance. I owe you a great dead Central. You're restoring to me.
1: You really don't remember don quixote de la mancha the knight of the mournful countenance come to restore the lost age of chivalry
0: by a special will of heaven as you can hear in that clip adam driver kind of uh he he thinks adam driver's character toby is sancho Panza. his his sidekick yeah. and as the as the movie progresses he's like tagging along like he's Sancho Panza and he refers to him as Sancho Panza so it's <laughs> quite, it's a bit of comedy there. Now I wanted to see this film because I like the two lead actors, I like Adam Driver and I like Jonathan Price who are both excellent in this film. I remembered, like I said, I remembered the making of documentary, so I just wanted to see what Terry, you know, his actual, you know, for someone to have 30 years of making a film I wanted to see how it yeah. turned out. And, um, and and when I first heard about this, I actually saw it on the Graham Norton show. He was interviewing Terry Gilliam and Robert Downey Jr. was sitting right next to him. And he was just saying, you know, Robert, I actually had you in mind when I, I actually wrote <laughs> you a letter asking you to be in this movie. And he was like really surprised. Like Robert yeah. Downey Jr. obviously didn't read it or didn't remember. And, um, but he said, you know, he was really happy that he cast Adam Driver. And I, I love Adam Driver. I think he's an excellent actor, which was one of the reasons I wanted to see it as well. So, um, you know, that, that made me want to see the movie. But um, apart from that... Oh, the other thing is one of the things that happens in the movie. So it's also about uh, when he goes to this village and, you know, he's used locals to be in his student version of the film. Years later, like, the the lead actress he used, she ends up going off, you know, becoming like a escort. You know, she's gone to some unseemly profession and, like, all these... You know, I guess it kind of corrupted the village a bit. And I, I remember hearing in an interview with um, Terry Gilliam that he said something like this actually happened. He got inspiration from when he was filming The Adventures of Baron Munchausen in a village in somewhere in London, in the UK, I should say. And, uh, and the locals, after the movie, they all thought they were going to be Hollywood film stars or whatever. <laughs> they all got seduced by yeah. the industry. And, uh, you know, he said a lot of families broke up after that. And I guess i I heard in another interview he said it was a you know the the one of the themes of the film is guilt you know the guilt you feel yeah. as a filmmaker because you you know what you do impacts uh, the the production as well can impact the production so in a way that Toby's journey is a a journey he he helps Don Quixote because he feels responsible for this man going nuts you know yeah. losing the plot so he kind of follows him he ends up on this crazy adventure and uh Anyway, uh, what did you think of it anyway, Matt? I,
1: I, It reminded me of, um, like, have you seen the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus? No, no. There's, like, had, like, Heath Ledger, and then after he passed away, it was, like, Jude Law. Yeah, and he got three other actors. I was like, what the hell is happening in this movie? Yeah. Like, that one where he's, like, the cop gets shot, and then that shot, and he's, like, running around, like, what the hell is happening? Like, I, I that was me. That was actually me. I could not figure out if it was real or not. Like, even at the end, I'm like, so is, is this, Is this, did this happen? Like, is this a real story? Like, obviously it's not a real story, but it's like, for him, was it? I can't, I couldn't figure out. Like, it was just, I I. I honestly just enjoyed Adam Driver just being like, a permanent, like, state of shock, like, etched on his face because he doesn't know what the hell is happening. Well, he's kind of your, like,
0: he's kind of your window into the story, isn't he? Yeah. You're following him and how he's reacting because he represents kind of, you know, modern, you know, you're, he's mm. the protagonist or the yeah. of the film, so you're following his journey. So you do need quite a strong actor to follow along with that. Yeah, but um,
1: I is. did I did love the scenery. I thought the scenery the was scenery. very incredible. Like you see the old style Spanish architecture, and then you have the sprawling um, yep. grasslands and the mountains. I thought that was really good because they did actually. You know what they do a lot is they'll film like some big scenes in like another country, but they do a lot of it in like. Um, Hollywood or you know green screen or whatever but um I read that they actually filmed in Spain and Portugal you could tell it was filmed on location authentic yeah
0: yeah yeah. I like that too and I liked um to me you know I do love Terry Gilliam's stories and and part of the reason I love them is the reason why I don't like extraction you know if I had to use that comparison extraction is so predictable so violent you know half I don't like enjoying I don't enjoy seeing violence I don't the bits that are supposed to be entertaining aren't entertaining. And you can predict. I could predict everything that was going to happen in Extraction. But when you watch this movie, you're thinking, what the hell is going to happen to this guy next? Yeah. Where the hell is this movie going? And, and in a way, that's it's, that's the thing that kept me watching. But it's all the, also the thing that can frustrate you. You know, yeah. I was frustrated. I was like, well, what the hell? When, where is this going? This is two hours already. What is going to happen to You need a guy? healthy
1: balance. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think
0: so. I think it could have been a bit shorter. And yeah. but the ending, I liked the ending. So the mm. ending kind of... I felt like if this was a gymnastics routine, it was a very, very long way to get to the end. But the ending, they just kind of land the end. Yeah. And it makes the movie make sense. But it was a long way to get to that end. And I didn't think it needed to be so meandering. But I guess he had a lot of things he wanted to say. There was a mm. bit about terrorists and how we view you know like um sort of people from middle eastern backgrounds these days and He had a lot of things he he wanted to cover. He kind of threw it all in there and just thought, oh, I'll see if this works.
1: He didn't like the LGTBQ thing either because at the start he's like, oh, just get whatever he's done. Yeah, that's (laughs) right. I I know there were a lot of little things, (laughs) weren't there? correctness, you know. Yeah, that's
0: right. There were a lot of little little things he has little issues with. I kind of like that. You know, that kind of makes it – you can tell it's a very personal Mm. film. You know, he's had input into it and it's kind of his – point of view but um
1: I actually I actually from my prediction I thought he was going to wake up at the end and it was all a dream um, yeah don't
0: yeah well yeah like that happens so much now
1: but I'm just like I literally thought that was going to happen like I mean
0: but that's good you know in a way at least it keeps you guessing you know you watch the movie you think how how's this going to end when's this going to end I mean you don't want to think when's this going to end that's why I had a problem with the movie it just went on too long yeah to get to the point but I didn't mind I didn't mind it I didn't mind it and I thought um I thought the two leads were very good. I liked, yeah. I liked what it was trying to say, but I just thought it took a bit too long to get to the get there.
1: I thought, I thought, I think Adam Drive is a really great actor because um, I'm not sure if he has had training um, in the whole like theatre and the arts kind of thing, but he used to actually be a marine. Yeah, I thought um, you would like that. that so is, like, he I thought a damn, like you know, like yeah. it's it's a very big change from yeah. being from like a sort of a discipline. You know, we we so discipline, and you have to you know fold your um you know make sure you're up at a certain time every single morning you're in the mess hall for like food and stuff and you like it's a very disciplined job and going to something that's so like um you know it's very different like i suppose i suppose film sets are a bit disciplined because you've got to be on the film location to be able to record and that but it's also a lot more flexible whereas like you know you can just go hide in your trailer after you've finished whereas like it's I just feel like f- filmmaking and being in the military are very, very different fields. So I sort of applaud him for being able to do that change and adapt to something like that.
0: Um, The other thing I was also going to make make note of was um, there's actually been another, when he made this film, they, they made another documentary making of that I, I do want to see. It's called oh, The yeah. Dream of Giants. So I'm going to keep an eye out for it. If I find it, I'll let you guys know where to find it. Um, we actually watched this well, I watched this on SBS by the man, but I think it's ending oh. end of October, so hopefully you'll be I able I to won't find it. I'll tell you how else. I found it. Oh,
1: okay.
0: <laughs> well I, I found it literally. Yeah. Um, I was also going to say, um
1: Stella Skarsgard was good too. Oh
0: yeah, I was gonna say that the villains yeah. in it are the actual the the, the people, the money men in yeah. the film. You know, they they they're driven by sort of, you know, just finish the project. They don't really yeah. care about the the sort of the creative side as much. They just want it done. And and they've obviously just employed him because he's this hot director from his f- student film. But he, yeah. you can see at the beginning he's quite jaded about yeah. what he's doing. He doesn't really care. He's kind of lost his creative spark the more money he's getting. Yeah. So it's kind of – I think he's, he's making a point about that, not always. Money isn't mm. always going to – Help with creativity, I suppose, or you know, the people with the money don't know about creativity, and they mm-hmm. the more they interfere in that process, the mm. the worse it becomes, you know.
1: Well, it, it, it also didn't make much money, I think it was like a 2.4 million box office of a three million budget. Well, I don't but, think he made it for the
0: money, it's obviously I, a
1: yeah, but I, I think it's also could be like one day it could end up something like train spotting or a cult, cult film. fiction, yeah, yeah, but also is because apparently, like, the producer was like. A real really asshole. jaded he was like trying to take them to court and like the producer was trying to yeah. take
0: you know credit for the film yeah. and control the film and one of the producers and that he didn't but it just i think he was a bit like he wanted to make that's why he made the producer the villain yeah in, I, the, I think, in the film i think that's why it took yeah. so
1: long to get to theaters though because i think i read that it came out in like a lot of western europe in like 2018 but it only came out in the uk like this year yeah so, they made it a few yeah. years ago
0: yeah, the distribution of it has been problematic
1: and then covid could have ruined that from getting a full theatrical release as well so yeah no no it was it was a pretty good film it was yeah i i i definitely got a master of Zorro vibe too when they're yeah. like um the procession through the town and was, you know the music and i was like but i think the difference is between when i watched master zoro with antonio Banderas, like Actually knew what was going on, like that movie. Like it's like you know the whole redemption thing, but it's like with this one, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> like if so, if you watch this movie, be plan, um, you know, be prepared to have no idea what's going on.
0: <laughs> I think you just really you gotta. I think um, I I remember hearing from another reviewer like if you're a Terry Gilliam fan, I would highly recommend it. Like I would too. I mean, I love Terry Gilliam. Mm. You know, I just I haven't watched all these movies, but when I do watch them, I always watch to see. You know, because I know visually he'll do something interesting. It's a bit like um, Tim Burton in a way. They're oh, very yeah. visual yeah. people, but they're not always... You know, the plot always suffers, might suffer a bit. But you know they're going to do something interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's what I like about him. You know, he's not afraid to take risks with story. It's like, the like I said, it's like the total opposite of extraction, you yeah. know, where you can't predict what's, what the journey's going to be. and And, you know, there's no one who... Well, yeah, people people do die but it's not like how, how what was the body count of extraction? Oh, I'd like no, you to man. find like, that out. For
1: that me. was I'll check that. This out, is yeah.
0: not as high and it's kind of more character driven if not plot. I mean that's what mm. it needed probably for me to give it a higher recommendation. But I'd yeah. give it at least to me I'd give this about 3 3 Xs because I yeah. think it's worth watching if you're a Terry Gilliam fan but I think if you're not you're probably going to struggle to get to the end because it does go on for like nearly 2 hours.
1: I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably go two, two-wise, two out of five, because I feel like one of them would be given just to the actors' performances. I thought um, Adam Driver, Jonathan Pryce, uh, Stellan Skarsgård, I uh, don't really remember any of the other actors, but, but I thought they, those three really captured the film really well. Like Even though I didn't understand what was happening, Adam Driver, as Toby, played that whole character, don't, doesn't know what's happening really well. But um, from a viewer point, I thought he was really good. And, you know, he—he, he, I think, I feel like he's getting really much better. He's getting much better as he sort of ages and gets more experience. Yep. Like, if you've seen Marriage Story, like, yeah, maybe I we'll have. talk yeah, about that one good. day.
0: Yeah, we should talk about that one day. But I was just, yeah. So I would, like, say, yeah, if you want to be challenged a bit more in a movie, yeah. <laughs> then just given the plot to you in yeah. the first five seconds of the movie, then watch this. Yeah, yeah, you know, definitely. Okay, great. Um, Well, that kind of wraps up our show for today. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to know. Have you you seen what we covered today? What are your thoughts? You can comment wherever you listen to this episode.
1: Yeah, Facebook, um, or maybe not Facebook, uh, you know, SoundCloud, uh, if it's on Spotify, and uh, message us on Facebook and stuff like that if you want to see um, what we're doing next and we're going to be doing promos and stuff through that as well. Yeah,
0: if there's anything you'd like us to even watch and recommend or watch and not recommend, (laughs) (laughs) let us know. And uh, special thanks to Studio 2166 for allowing us to use their recording facilities. Um, If you're in the Cabramatta area you should check it out.
1: We hope you can join us for the next episode of X vs Y coming soon.
0: Thanks guys, see
1: you next time. See ya. where do you go from here your light is very near starlight